Well, the story of Gideon can be found in the book of Judges, chapter 6 and 7. So if you've got a Bible and you want to follow it, that's fine. You can do that. Uh, you see the reference just in the two corners at the front of the church here. We're going to tell that story now. And we're going to do it with a bit of mime. And we're going to do it in three parts. And later on, people in the middle are going to have a good chance to get involved. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts and caves and strongholds. But whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. Go, in the strength you have, and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. If now I have found favour in your eyes... Give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please don't go away till I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. I will wait until you return. Gideon went in, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. With the tip of the staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realised that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Peace. Do not be afraid. You're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abiezrites. 
That same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning, when the men of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, Who did this? When they'd carefully investigated, they were told, Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The men of the town demanded of Joash, Bring out your son, he must die, because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. But Joash replied to the hostile cried around him, Are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So that day they called Gideon Jerob Baal, saying, Let Baal contend with him, because he broke down Baal's altar. Now, all the Midianites, Amalekites and other eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abrazites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet them. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew. A bowl full of water. (laughs) Then, Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. This time, make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. That night... God did so. In the morning, only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. So part two is slightly different now. The reading is taking a slightly different form. Gideon, are you ready for your maths test? Yes, sir. Yes, 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 sir. Okay. So you've, you've collected quite an army together then. I think if we look at your army, we can see it displayed in this sort of form here. 
Each of these green dots represents a squad of 300 men. How many men have you got, Gideon? Well, I've got quite a few, sir. It's uh, quite a big army, sir. Yeah, 300 per dot. Um, quite a few men, Gideon. That's good. Several tens of thousands. Several thousand. In fact, anybody know how many men he's got? Can you count quickly? Good attempt. It's about 32,000. <laughs> the thing is, Gideon, God says, you've got too many men. Too many, sir. Well, it is quite big, sir, but uh, it's good to have a big army, sir. In order that Israel may not boast against God that her own strength has saved her, you are to announce to your army now, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave. Go on, do it now. Now, sir. If they're trembling with fear, they can go. Trembling with fear, go home. That's right. Okay, trembling with fear, go home. home. Right, all those trembling with fear, go home, please. Anyone trembling with fear? Yeah, there's quite a few of you. Off you go then. Good. Yes, sir. I've Very done good. that. All those trembling with fear have gone home, sir. Quite a few. I've been Let's see what happened to the status. Mm. Still They're thinking about it. Oh, there they go. Oh, dear. Quite a lot went then, Gideon. Yeah, lost a few there, sir. How many did you lose? Uh, quite a few, sir. Yeah, uh, two-thirds. Two-thirds. 22,000 so, men. Oh, dear, sir. How many does that leave you? Um, leaves me with... Ten thousand, sir. 10, should, be, should be fine. Should be fine. Still, they all big, went. Sir. You've got ten thousand left. Yeah, still quite a lot, sir. It is still quite a lot, in fact. And there are still too many men. Oh. God wants you to get rid of some more. Oh dear. This is the plan, Gideon. Oh dear. Take them down to the water and ask them to have a drink. Yes, drink, sir. This is what I want you to do. Have a look at how they drink. Okay, sir. Okay. If they just kneel down and drink, put them on one side. If they lift their hands to their mouths and lap like a dog, put them on the other side. Keep the latter. Go on, do it now. Um, Kneeling down on their knees, keep them there for the moment. Lapping like dogs, keep them there. Separate them out. Keep the ones lapping like dogs. You've got it, Gideon. Go on then. Let's see what they do. Okay, all of you, um, you're all thirsty. Go down to the river and drink. Lapping like dogs, sitting there down on their knees, lapping like dogs. Okay, all those lapping like dogs over there, all those uh, on their knees over there. Just stay there, yeah. Um, all the dog lappers, yeah, we'll keep you. And all the ones on your knees, off you go. Done it, sir? You've done it? Yes, sir. Well done, Gideon. How many does that leave you with? Let's have a look. A bit worried, sir. A lot of, um, ah, a lot of on your knees, not many dog lappers, sir. Right. Don't worry about that. Let's see how many are left. Oh, oh dear, Gideon. sir. How many men have you got in your team? Um, yeah, 300, sir. 300? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Not happy about that, sir. It's 300 we... men, Gideon. But then, how big is the enemy? Well, it's probably, you know, maybe about the same, sir, hopefully. Let's have a look, shall we? <laughs> if that was the number of men you had to begin with, Gideon, let's have a look at them against the army to contend with. Yes, army to contend with, Let's sir, put yeah. your men on one side. Yes. As you have them. Yes, good. And the army on the other side. Oh, dear, sir. Yes. <laughs> Quite a lot more. But it gets worse than that, Gideon. I'm a bit worried about that, sir. Because you sent a lot of them home. Yes, yes, on your instructions, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) And this is what you're left with. So there you go. Yes. That's the man. That's the team, 300. Yes. Okay. Battle Um, plan, quite simple. Those 300 men attack this lot over here and defeat them. So that's just that. Yeah, so that's just my army there, sir, is it? That's right. And against this one here. In the morning, yeah. we're going to seize that army. Yeah. 
and attack them with, and defeat them. With just that 300? That's right. Yes. Sleep well, Gideon. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm a bit worried about that, sir. Yes. <laughs> Sleep well. Yes. That's one. Yeah, one, one against... Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm. The Lord said to Gideon, Get up. Go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outposts, the outposts even, of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. The Midianite army, in the form of the S Club in years Gideon's six army. and under, Gideon's army. <laughs> Gideon's army, it doesn't make a difference to the story. Gideon's army are now going to depart. That's year six and under. We're going to go out and form an army and come back ready for battle. Let me give you a clue. The children prepare the last part of the story, and before they come back in with Gideon and act it out with us, if you haven't heard it before, here's the secret. With God's power, Gideon and his army of 300 win that battle. Some of you are poised to be Midianites later on. Don't worry. In the script, I'll tell you what to do. But I expect all of you wish that you were one of the 300. And your challenge for today is how you too can be a Gideon and be part of it, be part of what God is doing. Why would you not want to? So what can we learn from looking at how God works with and through Gideon. God begins by telling him, the Lord is with you. And all through the account, he shows his patience with Gideon, who continually seeks reassurance. I think that's good news for us. We can be quite like Gideon sometimes, can't we? Needing reassurance. So I was thinking about today, I was watching Britain's Got Talent. And there's a bit of a parallel. Okay, maybe the contestants themselves longed more than Gideon did to be plucked from obscurity. But Gideon's destroying the altar of Baal seems a bit like a semi-final performance, doesn't it? The father, who never knew he had it in him, came out in full support, despite previous differences. So he's got noticed, but now it's the big performance, well out of his comfort zone. It's coming at him. Has he got what it takes? And just like Gideon, the contestants in Britain's Got Talent still need and seek and get reassurance, the applause of the audience, the comments of the judges, the votes. 
How to deal with such an overwhelming change in your circumstances. Surely only natural to need reassurance and support. So Gideon, I think, was quite human in asking such assurance from God. And the fleece that he put out wasn't particularly seeking guidance, but it was all about God meeting his request for reassurance as part of drawing him out of his current situation where he had been feeling oppressed, alone, forgotten, small, weak. He had doubts, and God dealt with them, patiently but so effectively, miraculously even, and went on to show him the power of weakness. So God is patient when we need reassurance, and he deals with our doubts when we bring them to him. He meets us where we are. What else can we learn? Well, God knows the future. Right back at the start, when the angel of the Lord calls Gideon a mighty warrior, it could have been almost tongue-in-cheek to describe Gideon's situation. He didn't look like a mighty warrior, did he? As he avoided trying to be seen by threshing wheat, not at the top of the mountain and using the wind, but unfortunately in full view of the Midianites, but in hiding at the bottom of a mountain, in a wine press of all places, with no wind. Mighty warrior, however, was a description of what God was, was what Gideon was to become through God. God is in control. What else can we learn from Gideon? Gideon's obedience. God was quite specific in his details and instructions, and Gideon, trusting God, obeyed him. Again, a bit like Britain's Got Talent, well, the hours that Britain's Got Talent contestants put into their rehearsals, the obedience that Gideon showed God. So on one side, some talent and plenty and plenty of practice, and on the other side, the power of God and plenty and plenty of obedience. What obedience? Imagine what it must have been like to have been Gideon then. You've seen the sort of numbers that they were dealing with. By all accounts, in today's army, a commanding officer making such manpower cuts just before battle would have been considered to have completely lost his mind. Not only were the numbers about 500 to 1, but Gideon's 300 men are about to start the defeat of the Midianites without even using swords. We've been looking in some recent services at about being salt and light in the community. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, we read, this is going to come up on the screen behind me, so you don't have to open your Bibles here. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world, A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And I think Gideon is an example to us of how we can be salt. By knocking down the Asherah pole and the altar to Baal, and reminding his fellow Israelites of the inheritance God had given them, 
and their dependence on him, he sought to prevent the moral decay of his society. He became noticed. They gave him a name, didn't they? Let Baal contend with him. It was a sort of, bring it on, Baal. Let's see what you've got. He became noticed. He became distinctive. And attractive. The army flocked to join him. So how do we do the same as a church? How can Cornerstone, our church plant in Tame, or our building project here, support the ways in which we can glorify God and serve the community? Let's pray that God will give us confidence to make a stand for what matters to him. What matters to him are the poor, the disadvantaged, the oppressed, those who suffer, people like the early Israelites then. Gideon is an example to us of how we can be light. Because using lights and not swords, Gideon was able to defeat the Midianites and give God the glory. What are the Midianites for us today as we seek to transform society with the love and truth of Jesus? I say what, because rather than people, maybe some of it is more part of ourselves parts of ourselves that have not yet surrendered to his will, our selfishness, our greed, our self-importance. As we let God address these, the presence of God in our lives can shine out in our character and our actions as we seek to live life in all its fullness, expressing his grace to the world around us. How can we do that here? These are the questions we have to think about. Remember, God is patient with us. And doubt is not a sin, but a condition in us he deals with as we're obedient to him as Gideon was. So often we don't need to pray to God for guidance. We know what he wants us to do. We need to ask God to give us the strength to be obedient to his will and trust him, knowing how much he loves us and that his grace blows all fears away. God is patient with us, and God is speaking to all of us through his word and through his experience and through experiences in our lives. Trust me, he says, I am with you. By my power, you can deal with the Midianites in your lives that are preventing you living in the land I have given you, the kingdom of heaven that is available to you now. But be prepared to change if you really want to enjoy the benefits of being in God's community. Maybe you don't yet know God as the Lord of your life. So let's look at how God uses the power of weakness. Because my ways are not your ways, says God, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. So much of what God does seems totally contrary to what we would expect. Just like the soldier's prayer that Mick read out. Because God is a God who turns the tables as part of his plan to bring us back to him. Time and time again, God achieves his purpose the opposite way to the way the world expects. Just as in this story of Gideon, where God plucks a village boy from obscurity and empowers him to win a mighty battle by depending on God. So God brings the world back to himself by coming as a helpless baby, by living as a man on earth, speaking words that turn the establishment upside down, by dying like a criminal on a cross. And Jesus' resurrection turns upside down our notions of death being the end. 
That was the day death itself died. There's a great verse in Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 2, where Paul talks about God's power in our weakness and the power of God's love. And here, far from the cross working as it was meant to, a Roman public spectacle to humiliate and kill the man that hung on it and terrify and oppress those who observed it, 2,000 years later, we still rejoice in how the cross marks the critical, crucial point in God's master plan, where he turns the tables. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ, just as God woke Gideon up to where he was. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations, that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Do you see what he did there? And we've got to that critical point in our story today. So we're going to continue now. Remember, Britain's got talent but Gideon's got God. So our music group, or Gary, thanks, is going to start playing some music now to introduce the final act of the Gideon story. Please remain seated, but be ready to participate in the telling. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them, with torches inside. Watch me, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout, A sword for the Lord and a sword for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew their trumpets and smashed their jars. 
grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow, they shouted, A sword for the Lord and a sword for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the laws caused the men, you know who you are, throughout the camp to stand up and turn on each other with their swords. <laughs> Great. The army fled. The army fled to Bethshetah, towards Zehorah, as far as the border of Abel Mehola, near Tabath. Israelites from Natali, Asher, and Manasseh were called out, and they pursued the Midianites until they were all defeated. What did I tell you? God and Gideon win the battle. An ordinary man, an extraordinary God. It may have seemed like a mountainous task, but we have an awesome God who can move mountains and is mighty to save. And being in Gideon's army is the one time when it's okay for a moment to hide your light under a bowl. And just as Gideon's army hid their torches in jars of clay that they then smashed to reveal the light and win the battle... So God doesn't hide his son, the light of the world, in a tomb, but rolls the stone away to reveal an empty tomb and allow his resurrection light to shine in the hearts of those who follow him, that the world may see his glory.